Because oh. being a woman is great. It's great. Sometimes you buy a bra that's not the right size, but it's also not the wrong size. It makes your boobs look so good. Thank you. You're welcome. Poor she tip. showed it to me in the car. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wild moment. This is also what friendship of, is. This is the level of friendship that we're at. Where she I went, hey, can I show? She pulls down her shirt. Look at my bra. I know. I asked before. You had me at... Hell no. Welcome to You Had Me at Hell No. I'm Mel. I'm Allie. Thank you for coming to our podcast. If you're returning, welcome back. And if you're new, welcome to the Thunderdome. Thank you so much for returning. Different vibes from both of us. (laughs) I'm the one that's, uh, you're like, oh, what's this Thunderdome? I haven't heard about that. And I'm like, Thunderdome is a specific sociopolitical scheme within a post-apocalyptic Australia run by Tina Turner. We love it. (laughs) Unfortunately, Mel Gibson is involved in that equation. He's barely involved. Thank God. Like, if you're going to watch Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome, you're watching it for Tina Turner. I've listened to that song so many times. Because it's great. We don't need another hero. We're not talking about Mad Max, but our podcast is going to explore the world of romance movies. Mm -hmm. um, And why, as women in America... Mm -hmm. We love these movies so much, yet they hate us. Mm-hmm. They hate women in general. They hate people of color. They hate the queer community. Mm-hmm. Like a common thing is this may be the best representation certain marginalized groups get in general that year. And it may also be some of the worst representation. Correct. Which is why we're, I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, mm-hmm. but I think that's why we're both so interested in this mm-hmm. because neither of us even like romance movies. Yeah. If we had our choice, we would not choose them. Allie, what do you normally like to watch? Ooh, I To relax, I like to watch like kind of maybe like a cheesy action movie. Ooh. Something where masculinity is being explored in, let's be honest, a gay way. Uh, how about you, Melanie? I love spooky shit. Mm-hmm. I live... At my house, it's Halloween all year round. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. Well, today we're going to be talking, well, speaking of spooky things, because Melanie loves spooky things. I love it! For the month of October, we're getting into spooky romance. Woo! Spooky romance! Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. Melanie has been loving it. Um, This This is the shit that I live for. I, fortunately, we've watched stuff that's not too spooky for me yes because you're not you're not a spooky lady no. and i don't want to make you physically uncomfortable um, one I of the don't. movies that we were gonna watch i told you what it was about and you straight up were like nope i don't even remember what it was the fly oh it's absolute no for me it's an absolute no we <laughs> cannot i cannot do that um cronenberg i respect you but absolutely no thank you even thinking about it makes me upset yep um i wouldn't do that Anyway. And that's okay. (laughs) But the movie that we're going to be talking about today, the third installment in Spooky Romance Month is... Crimson Peak. Mm -hmm. But Uh, before we get into it, we have some important questions for some important people. One specific person. One important people person. Person. Tiffer. It's for you. (laughs) Our sound engineer, Tiffer. Well, Melanie likes horror. I like a lot of action. Tiffer is not as versed in films as maybe we are. Hi, Tiff. Hi, Ali. Hi, Mel. Hey, Tiff. I hope you don't mind me saying that. I don't want to speak for you. but No, it's okay. You've, you've yeah. been saying just... it for a while now. I'm used to it. Okay. You're not a movie guy. <laughs> That's fair. But you are a guy we value. Um, now, Tiff, just based on the title alone, Crimson Peak, have you seen Crimson Peak? No. What would you guess it is about? I'm more lost than I was for... <laughs> pretty much any movie we've ever done (laughs) let's say they're hiking in the mountains beautiful sunrise the peaks are crimson with with the red sunlight (laughs) from this aforementioned beautiful sunrise 
they fall in love, but then one of them is killed by a haunted tree. Oh, this is a great movie. That honey. honestly sounds like a much better movie. Babe, than the that movie sounds we watched. Swedish. It sounds very like it does sound it sounds Swedish. like Norwegian or Swedish or something. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Well, that's lovely. Um, thank you for that. Uh, that guess. You're wrong, but thank you for the in, guess. Incorrect, but we appreciate it. This has been Tiffer's Pop Culture Osmosis. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, bow. Um. So we're talking about Crimson Peak. Ah, uh, the peak. 2015 Guillermo del Toro movie. Ugh. Um, yeah, this oh, movie. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, first of all, Guillermo. Love him. Oh, truly such a unique filmmaker that I have tremendous respect and admiration for. Films him. of his that you might recognize would be Hellboy, mm-hmm. uh, the one with Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. Um, Pan's Labyrinth. Thank you. Wow. Shape of Water. Um, Kronos. Um, he also did, did he do Flowers in the Attic? No. No. Why do I always think he did Flowers in the Attic? Wait, are you, Flowers in the Attic, the, the incest movie about the kids locked in the attic? No, I'm thinking of another one. <laughs> From There's the 70s? Of, no. I, okay, I that's think, not the movie that I'm thinking okay, of. Okay, I think we're thinking of different movies. Bro. I think so. There's another. I'm pretty sure it's. I saw it in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> okay. it's, it's a ghost story okay. about uh, about this woman who uh, her son disappears oh, and they're no. trying to find him. <gasps> and I won't spoil it because it's very spook, but it has to do with like spooky ghosts. And Guillermo del Toro, the reason that he's such an interesting filmmaker is because he has a very specific aesthetic. Mm-hmm. He's one of those filmmakers where whenever you see one of his movies, you're like, I know what I'm watching. Oh, yes. Pacific Rim. Pacific he also Rim. Pacific Rim. I... Loved Pacific Rim. I know. I still haven't seen it. We we should. I it, it, not for the pod. Just as friends. I yeah, think it'd be a just fun as watch. friends. Don't um, get any ideas. Don't get fresh. We're just <laughs> just as friends. We're just gonna watch it as friends. I have a boyfriend. <laughs> now that we've established that, we well, should probably what... get into the movie. Oh, I guess we could. <laughs> but Guillermo del Toro, as we were saying, uh, incredible filmmaker. I would say there are moments in some of Guillermo del Toro's movies where I almost wish they were silent like i almost wish they had no dialogue because he is so skilled at giving you as much info in the frame as possible not he doesn't over he doesn't bombard you with anything but he is so careful with the people he works with and he's so specific in his vision that from the costumes to the set design and i understand this is how filmmaking works all of these things are supposed to work together to tell the story but he is so effective with that mm-hmm. that you can just look at maybe like a minute less than of. Um, you could look at a still from look at one a still of his and you're like, well, I and immediately know. I know this story. I understand the dynamic between these characters. Um, I think he's like a much more effective, much spookier, thoughtful version of Tim Burton. Yes, absolutely. Also, not as sexist or racist as Oh, absolutely as not. Tim I mean, I'm sure we'll be doing some Tim Burton movies on the pod later on. Mm-hmm. But for now, Crimson Peak, oh, man, God, this movie really disappointed me. I, along it could have like, been so fucked up. Here's the, yes. Because um, my angle is from the spook. And mm-hmm. I think if for you, maybe if the romance was played up more, well, maybe I more think, interesting. I don't know how you really felt a little about bit, that like, aspect. For example, like kind of along the lines of what I was saying earlier, like, honestly, some of the dialogue is so ridiculous that I, and then they would have shots of these, just these long, slow shots of this beautiful house. And I'm like, well, this is telling me all I need to know. I would rather have this maybe slightly melodramatic, like silent movie than this very kind of silly a lot it's, of this dialogue is drivel. very silly. Like, That's what it is. It's drivel. Well, like it's something, just the dialogue is so meaningless. Something very effective in Shape of Water was there's like a lot of Shape of Water doesn't really have any dialogue because she's mute and it's uh-huh. so effective and you, it's beautiful. It's incredible. And this has dialogue where I'm like, wait, what? Anytime they're, they tell each other that they're in love, I'm like, when did this fucking happen? Anyway. So the premise... <laughs> The premise of this movie. So we got Mia Vyshakovska 
And she plays a nice young lady named Edith. And she's supposed to, there are elements of this movie that I want to be on board for, but I don't know that the execution, I didn't really love her in this movie. Well, her character is so, I think her she, character is meant to be there purely, I think, for expositional purposes. She's like a conduit for the audience. Thank you. That's. That is a much more succinct way of putting it. Thank, Thank you. you. But um, like the movie, essentially, the way that it was marketed mm-hmm. was as much scarier mm-hmm. than what it was. It was because the trailers for this movie are like ghosts, house in England, mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's attractive. Mm-hmm. Look at all these ghosts. Yeah. Ah! It also was and like that's why I wanted to see it. It also was all the all of the ads were like from the. Gamma del Toro who brought you Penn's Labyrinth. From the most fucked up dude but ever. From the, from the guy who brought you this masterpiece. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like Penn's Labyrinth del Toro. Yeah, this is going to make me it is, it uncomfortably is, scared. But it makes you uncomfortably gross. It's, it's closer to like maybe Hellboy del Toro. Because it's a little uh, sillier. It's a little so. sillier. No, I don't Hellboy, think this movie I enjoy is... Hellboy more than Hellboy's, Crimson Peak. First of all, frankly. Hellboy's a masterpiece. Hellboy, but I don't think Crimson Peak was silly. I don't think it was meant to be silly. But <gasps> I just realized something. What? Sorry. I, I want you to finish your thought, but maybe this movie is not as effective because Guillermo del Toro doesn't have the job of getting us to maybe want to have sex with a monster. Hellboy, he's kind of he he wants you to kind of want to fuck Hellboy. Ooh, I want to date Hellboy. Shape yeah. Shape of Water, he kind of wants you to fuck that fish man. Um, yeah. Pacific Rim, do you want to fuck these robots? I don't know. Um, um, what's another one? Blade, uh, Blade Two. Do you want to fuck this vampire? Oh, Maybe. That's right. Maybe. Shit. Well, he's, shit in my mouth. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I thought it would be funny, and it's just We've weird. We've explained none of the plot. Because so the plot, because the plot. Okay, so okay, here can, can we're I in just, Buffalo, New York. Yeah, let, can I just give like a brief overview of the plot? Go for it, babe. Spoilers ahead. So if you get also, if, if you get mad at spoilers, like I don't listen. To if this you podcast. listen to this podcast, you know we have we give spoilers. Yeah. So you've been warned, but the here's why I got annoyed by this movie okay the premise is very interesting young edith her mother dies when she's 10 this takes place in like the late 1800s buffalo new york Mm -hmm. so like a bustling metropolis coming up in the world and she can see ghosts and the first ghost that she ever sees is the ghost of her mother Mm -hmm. and the only thing that the ghost says to her is beware of crimson peak Mm -hmm. And then she doesn't see another ghost again for the next 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Then we go to adult Edith. Lives with her dad. They're very close. It's very sweet. He's very wealthy. He is. He he owns some sort of architecture or construction company. Got, they got a lot of money. Um, she is a writer. And it's sort of supposed to be this like uh, almost Jill March kind of like, I'm a young yeah. woman and I write spooky stories. Um, They're not fairy stories no and and she uh the other high class women are don't like her because she's smarter than they are and she doesn't want to get a man Mm -hmm. charlie hunnam is her friend um he plays he's an optometrist yeah uh so he's a doctor he's a he's a nice attractive young doctor he is a babe he is magically babelicious very beautiful yeah he is anyway that's not relevant but I don't think he's more attractive than Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston's not my usual aesthetic for dudes, but I am into him. He, I, I think I know why, but let's finish this plot and I will let you know what I think later. Perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. we keep getting sidetracked from the plot. She's friends with Charlie Hunnam. He's really into her, but his mom and sisters don't like her. Mm-mm. All of a sudden, this strange man and his Mm -hmm. sister from England come Mm -hmm. to give a presentation to her father for a business venture Mm -hmm. uh, for basically like some strange machine that's essentially fracking for clay. So so, he's like, but gentlemen, please fund my clay fracking machine. And they're like, no. They're like, no, this is stupid. (laughs) No. You've literally, like the the model that you built us is a a toy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Edith's dad, who is played by... uh, Oh no, what's his name? His name's Jim. Is it Beavers? 
I think so, but I, I know him <laughs> from his character in Supernatural, and now I can't think of his, his name. His name cannot be Jim Beavers. I hope it is. <laughs> We're calling him Jim Beavers for the rest of the podcast. So Jim Beavers' That's character. That's also a sick nickname, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So, Our boy Jimmy Beams, you know why. <laughs> so, so Tom Hiddleston is like, yes, I just love my little machine. Please give me money so I can build it. And he, Jimmy Beams goes, oh, well, actually, um, I investigated your prior business ventures and you've been to Milan, Edinburgh, Paris, mm-hmm. and um, you've gotten a lot of money. And you've been with a lot of wealthy women and nothing's worked out. So to me, this looks like a bad investment. So I'm not going to invest in your company. Mm-hmm. So then Tom Hiddleston. I think and- before this, he meets Edith, our little girl. That's the daughter of the guy who's like, I'm not going to give you money. And- right. And he meets Edith and Edith is taken with him because he's British and smart. That- and his sister, played by Jessica Chastain. Hot, hot. Truly, she Dope. she doesn't have eyebrows in this movie, and it really works for her. She is the best Chastain part of this movie. Chastain can do anything. She's the best part of this fucking yep, movie. Yep, Anyway. Yep. Um, <laughs> so then, essentially, British boy decides to woo Edith. Mm-hmm. Um, dad doesn't like that. Threatens him, offers to pay him off to go away. Mm-hmm. So he publicly humiliates her in, okay. at a dinner party uh-huh. because she, he read her novel and he told her it was bad. So she cries and runs to her room. We're going to get into this later, but... Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, uh-oh, her dad dies. <gasps> her dad Mysteriously died. is murdered in a very brutal way. And the only person she has left, technically is Tom Hiddleston, so they get married, and he whisks her away to England in this dilapidated old mansion where he lives with his sister. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll get into that more, but then the rest of the film is a mystery story because she starts seeing ghosts again because, uh, 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 uh-oh, the name of his house is Crimson Peak. This bitch showed up to a red hill, and it didn't click for her. Yeah, like, oh, this really traumatic (laughs) thing that scared the shit out of me when I was 10. The ghost of my dead mother. The only thing she told me was, beware of Crimson Peak. Guess where she fucking goes? A big old red hill. Idiot. (laughs) Also, the reveal when he's like, that's why they called it Crimson Peak. She didn't even react. She goes, what? And then goes, yeah, they call it Crimson Peak. And she's like, huh? She what? barely reacted, though. Not even, she doesn't react a lot in this movie. No, um, but... Uh, and so, you know, the spoiler for the end is that she realizes that he okay. and his sister are using her for her money uh-huh. and that Chastain is slowly poisoning her yeah. to try to get her to sign over her immense wealth that was left to her from her father, mm-hmm. from his estate. Um, Charlie Hunnam figures it out. Saves the day. Well, really, well, she saves the day. That's he true. Tries he does. To save he gets the day, stabbed. He does and he not gets save stabbed the day. in his cute little. <laughs> he doesn't get stabbed in the butt. <laughs> Can you imagine being stabbed in the butt? Allie, <laughs> 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 are you okay? <laughs> it's not funny. We have so much of this movie. All right, so. The whole romance of this movie is between. <laughs> oh my God, get it together! <laughs> in any event, the romance in this movie is between Mia Wasikowska and Tom Hiddleston. Ooh, now yeah. I don't know when they are silent. I kind of believe it more. If that makes sense, because there's a it lot does. more dramatic. It's a little more melodramatic. Well, they're it's a lot both more good of, actors, and they both emote very well. And as soon as they have to talk to each other... I don't believe that they're in love. Yeah. I don't... Also, part of me didn't really believe that they wanted to fuck each other. I believe that she wanted to fuck him. I didn't believe that he wanted to fuck her. It was a very Victorian way of being... Of horniness of like, oh, well... Oh, lots of long stares. At one point, like, his big confession of love, after he's like... Your father paid me to leave, but I couldn't because I like you so much. And you're like, when did you guys have a nice moment? Um, but what the line he says to her is straight up just Jane Eyre. That's it's that right. line. It's almost word for word. The line from Jane Eyre about like, I feel like there's a link between us from like my ribs to yours. And if it were to break, like you would be fine, but I would, I would bleed and I would, I would start to bleed. Okay. And the thing is, 
she played Mia Vyshakovska played Jane Eyre. She did in a very good adaptation. Phenomenal adaptation. I do not Michael like Fassbender. Jane Eyre, but I thought that her version of it was pretty. But interesting. No, so basically, Mia Vyshakovska has had to listen to the same speech from some like tall dude multiple times. Yeah, once by she Fa- has once by Fassbender and once by Hiddleston. In this movie, <laughs> <laughs> Mia Vyshakovska and. Uh, Tom Hiddleston are at one point because she's a writer her whole thing is that she writes Uh, he's talking to her over like a desk and her her manuscript is on the table in front of them they've just met he's been at her desk for maybe less than a minute and he's like have you read this it's quite good pointing to the manuscript that is on her um, like desk Meaning, what he was looking down and reading it as he was talking to her? No, he wasn't. When did this happen? What? It made no sense. That is a fair point. Um. Also, again, big spoiler, but the movie tries to the big, big twist, oh, not yeah. the ghost twist, the not that we're not twist. we're using you for your money twist. The big twist towards the end is played for like ba ba ba. But but if with, you watch if you the movie. Attention. The second it happens, you're like, oh, okay. Well, it's also, you know what that what's going to happen the second Chastain is introduced. Absolutely, because, second, because she plays it so well. The second Chastain the, walks into the room and makes eye contact with Hiddleston, you're like, oh, they're fucking. They're fucking. Like, and they are. Surprise. She is the best part of this movie. The second he is like, oh, here's my sister, uh, Lucille. Like, oh, your sister that I'm you like have the one sex you're fucking? on a regular basis? Your murder sister that you're fucking? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, your murder sister that you're fucking, the one dressed in blood red that's playing the piano and won't stop staring at you. Yeah, work. Yeah, ba, ba, ba. yeah, the sister who murdered your mother and all of your wives. Love her. Also, so the basically she's the, a true psychopath, and honestly, I'm kind of here for it. Wonderful in this movie, she is at the right level. Yeah, she knows what kind of movie Oof. she's in. She knows exactly the movie she's in. She's amazing in this. Also, this sounds. And I think this was maybe the point, and it also feels grody to say, but I feel like she and Hiddleston had better chemistry. 100%. Than he and Mia Vyshakovska. Yeah. And the whole thing in the movie is the idea that it, the, what's supposed to have happened is that he's actually fallen in love this time. He's f- actually experiencing love outside of his relationship with his sister. Yeah. So it's he's in to love be, with Edith, but that's but, never that's never clear and there's a point because there because the house crimson peak, so it's very spook and there's There's a um, big hole in the ceiling. Yeah, and it's snowing into the house. It is gorgeous. Set design in this movie, all, it's production truly design in general but, is stunning. But Sorry. also like leave. Leave. Why would you live house. in a house that has a giant hole in it in the middle of England in the fucking winter? Well, Are you stupid? Because well, the house is supposed to represent. I know. Her. It's supposed to represent Lucille. It's supposed to represent like the fact that they can't let go of the past and they're holding on to this thing and they're tethered to it. Um, Ugh, uh, I know, but it's just, it, oh, that I mean, really bothered me. It's very silly. Um, but also there's an elevator in the house, mm-hmm. very fancy. And the lower level is like a clay depository mm-hmm. with giant vats of this bright red clay deep blood red clay and she's and edith isn't allowed down there no um but i have the keys why would you need a key did go down there like oh i can imagine you and thomas playing in this room as children can you imagine them fucking in this room as no, children probably my favorite is when she this is one of my favorite moments is uh edith says to lucio because she's trying to like build a house now her her she left her life behind her dad is dead she's married to this guy now and she's like oh they she don't and fuck, i will build this house together because she's mm-hmm. his sister and i'm his wife yeah we're very gonna, much not we're gonna case. get close they're immediately like not very close and there's a bit where they're in the i don't know living room one of the main rooms <laughs> and she's like oh i can picture you and thomas playing around here as kids and she goes we went to loud and here's children we were confined to the nursery gross oh the attic and i was like well this is fun that's fun she, i like that she did a great job also um, the bit where she's like oh that's mother and the point the painting the of their mother is like did she have them when she was 80 years old like it's already the <laughs> oldest woman i've ever seen in this painting oh uh, um uh, so basically the idea is that 
Lucille is Jessica Chastain and Thomas, her brother and sister, when they were young, she was 14, he was 12. Their mom found out that they were in love. They were, they were doing when really what was happening is that Lucille is a true psychopath. Yeah. And manipulated her young impressionable impressionable brother into incest. Yeah. Mother found out. Lucille didn't like that mother found out. Kills the mom. Whacked her with an axe. No, it's a it's a meat cleaver. They're similar. I'm not, I'm not hey, we're not fighting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean for my tone to be combative. It's I okay. just get really angry at the idea of like children hurting and manipulating each other. Yes, it's very sad. Um and it's very upsetting. And then um, but also, the tone of this movie makes it seem like not a big deal. And that's kind of why I was mm-hmm. disappointed, because there are so many elements in this movie that are really messed up very and very much saying. ingrained in the horror genre. Yeah. Like, a young psychopath female murderer. That's interesting. Yeah, who's using her brother. Not only is she sexually manipulating her brother and that they have this incestuous relationship, she's also using and like training her brother to be like, She's sending her brother out to get these women. She's pimping him out. She's pimping out her brother, which also means she's probably like, do this with this woman. And she kind of probably wants to fuck these women too. Um, There's a lot that I think could have been better explored. Yeah. And I it's wonder, very upsetting because just what I said right now was like, oh, this is, this is a terrifying absolutely. movie. But I feel like, I mean, it doesn't have to be a full-blown horror movie, but I feel... Like, the movie was trying to do too many things because you have this whole horrific incest plot line. You Mm -hmm. have a murder plot line. Then you have a ghost plot line. And then you have another murder mystery plot line (laughs) on top of that. And I really just wish that it would pick one or two because the aesthetic of the ghosts in this movie is so unique and interesting. And they're so gross. I love that. And I really enjoyed watching them. And I wish that the ghosts had been more than just harbingers telling Edith what to do and where to go. Mm -hmm. Because the mystery was not interesting. Mm-hmm. Because the whole time she's living in the house, she's getting sicker and sicker because mm-hmm. Lucille's poisoning her. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry to our friend Lucille who and Bella who watched this movie with us. Who wrote our theme song. Thank you, Lucille and Bella. Uh, but <laughs> Lucille's listening to this like, are you guys okay? <laughs> we might be. Who knows? The world's on fire. We'll how see. About, how, how about yours? What? We don't need to pay for that if I say how about yours. Okay. <laughs> That's the way I like it, and I never get bored. But the whole thing is like Lucille um, <laughs> trying to pick up from where you were. Not going. our friend, but she's basically poisoning Edith the whole time, and Edith solves the mystery and simultaneously Charlie Hunnam, who doesn't trust the situation, mm-hmm. is speaking with her family attorney, solicitor, essentially, because they called them solicitors mm-hmm. back then, trying to figure out how to get her back because he knows something is wrong. He's like, something's up. I don't like these people. I don't like this dude. And um, I thought his character was great because he yeah. wasn't doing it out of a sense of uh, possession of Edith. He mm. was doing it because he was truly her friend. And valued his relationship with her father and was upset that she was being manipulated. Yeah. Also, I never really got a thing between them of like romantic or sexual thing. I genuinely got that they were like friends. Oh, I got the vibe that he was into her and that she was like, oh, my God, he's my friend. I think maybe because she he never seems possessive and oftentimes it's played as very possessive in movies. So I maybe my I think friend, that's fair. That's probably what was happening. Right. But. I mean, my frustration with the mystery comes into play because I feel like it would have been much more interesting if the ghosts had been amped up and if the mystery solving aspect had fallen on Charlie Hunnam's character. Because there's things that Edith ends up learning from the ghosts Mm -hmm. that Lucille talks to her. I think his name is Thomas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, his name's Thomas. Yeah, Um, that they talk about that they're like, she couldn't possibly know. Did you tell her? How would she know this? And I think that if they had played up the ghost angle, it would have been so much more interesting about her experiences in the house because, you know, she hasn't seen ghosts since she was 10. And now all of a sudden she's seeing them again at the place that her dead mom warned her about. Yeah. Like, I feel like um, it makes sense to explore that angle. Yeah. Also, I I think I get why they... Something I appreciate about a lot of the mystery being put, like mystery solving being put on her, is 
that she's our main character and it's not like here is a young woman having to rely on someone else to solve this for her. What they were trying to do was say, here is this young woman. She's already kind of a writer, very observant, very interested in the world around her. And she also talks to ghosts. And she also talks to ghosts. And this is her list and maybe one of her own stories trying to figure it out. However, that's not as effectively communicated because it's a lot of, sometimes it feels like you're watching the same scene over and over Mm -hmm. where it's her in a hallway being like, oh, hello, little dog. Oh, what's this? Wait, it's her being given the same clues over and over that all point to the same shit. And she's just like, but what does this mean? And it's like, babe, what do you think it means? Yeah. uh, Honey. Use your big writer brain. Baby. Baby girl. Honey. Um, Oh, a big part of it, though, is that she and even though she is married to Tom Hiddleston, they have not consummated the relationship. No, because every night when she wakes up in the middle of the night, he's not in the bed with her. He's not in the bed with her. Because we are, we learn later with the big oopsie reveal Uh that he's in bed with Chastain. He's going up to the attic and she is singing to him and they're jerking him off. It's really, really uncomfortable. (laughs) It's gross. There is a moment where you're it like, kinda, it, it's almost time. It works. <laughs> it works because of Chastain. Chastain is and selling Hiddle- it. And also, like, Hiddleston does a great job in this movie, too. His he's character right. just sucks. He's all right. He's, he's, I think he's a fine actor. His yeah. character, Thomas, just sucks. Thomas is a <laughs> wet blanket. He kind of is. I never really... I think with both of them, there was part of me... I guess I believed that they liked each other, but part of me was like, Why? Why yeah, we well, we gi- we're given no reason. They're both kind of boring. It sounds yeah. mean, but... No, it's not mean. Um, I think because so much of the movie is so sweeping and gorgeous and, like, Chastain has a lot of energy. This The costumes are stunning. The score is very Everything in exciting. this movie is the great. The set design is incredible. Um, so the fact that both of them are like, oh, hey, I like you. Oh, I like you, too. You're kind of like, oh, right, man, fucking... <laughs> Whatever. I think that's a good point that you bring up. And I, do you think that this movie would have been better mm-hmm. if Hiddleston and Vashikowska had amped it up? Uh, yeah. But I think maybe they were told to keep it more, um, I don't know, Victorian. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. Well, that, but that, then let's talk about the sex scene between Edith and Thomas. Yeah. Because there is one. And they you go get to the to post office. Tom Hiddleston's butt. They go to the po- post office by stamps. Do you do see his butt? Here's the thing. There was a big deal made out of this at the time of like, oh, you see his butt. But here's the thing. Every non-Marvel, non-Disney-owned thing that I have seen Tom Hiddleston in, the baby boys get naked. He is always naked. Yeah, it's awesome. We're, we respect it. We appreciate it. And it always, it makes sense for the story. It's never it's never him being like, oh, hey, you know what would be dope? Did you know that they had to CGI out his junk in, in all the Thor movies? No, they didn't. I'm pretty sure they did. No, they did not. Look it up. No, they... I saw a TikTok about it. It must be true. There is no way. There is no way. Also, if we're going to talk about Marvel junk, we're not not going to talk about Marvel junk. Are you sure? We're not going to talk about it. Are you sure? We aren't. Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay. I want to respect that. Anyway, we have more things to talk about than junk from the Marvel movies. But um, they... Because they haven't, and they also haven't been able to be alone. Because Lucille is constantly butting in, mm-hmm. and at first, if you're, if she's you're always like, the, "Oh, let's drink some tea," and the right. tea is poison. It's one of those things where, like, if you're the kind of person who watches movies purely for the enjoyment of watching movies to be entertained, it's something you may not have picked up on before. But because Allie and I watch so many movies, and we're like constantly trying to figure out what they mean and why they're doing the things they're doing. Other people do this too. It's not right. like your little baby We're brains. the only ones and you guys are dumb. Your little baby brains don't understand it. Watch Rick and Morty. It's it's about science. No! <laughs> I do like Rick and Morty, but no! The fandom of Rick and Morty really sh- like it really bugs me that they're like, you don't get it because you have to be smart to get this. I'm like, it's just a fucking joke. They're yeah, regular fucking jokes. you don't have jokes. to be smart to get a joke. It is a well-crafted show, but these are just fucking jokes, bro. bro. Also, Rick and Morty is really sad, but we, you know it's what? It's exceptionally we're, depressing. We're getting really sidetracked. Wow. Because this, this movie wasn't engaging. Well, in this movie... For me, it wasn't. As a way to get us back engaged, let's discuss this sex scene. 
because this is a romance podcast. Yes. So they they're trying to get away from Lucille. And so uh, the house is in the middle of the boonies. Mm -hmm. So the nearest town is like a few hours away. Mm -hmm. Um, And Hiddleston and Wasikowska. I don't know how to say her name. Is it Wasikowska? I don't know. I believe it's Wasikowska. I I should know, having a difficult last name myself. Mia, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. She is listening. She's she's like, I can't believe they can't say my name. (sighs) (laughs) You're right. I can't believe it. Um, Mia, (laughs) so sorry. But anyway, they go to the post office, and it's in like this little kind of like Barney. Uh, in kind of place and it's during a snowstorm so they're like oh we we gotta get back and Hiddleston's like do we though we could stay the night because there's an there's like a a room at the post office well because it's one of those like general stores that's Um, in the middle of nowhere so like if you get stuck there because it's in the boonies you're able to stay there got it so they go up and they're hanging out and he's like oh my god you're you're I love reading her stories. They're so smart, babe. And she is slowly figuring out that he's been other places. Um, maybe he's been, she, she knows he has some kind of history. And she's like, oh, I'd love to go. Why don't we go away somewhere like Paris or Milan? Milan. And he like looks off in the distance. Milan. No, she, she goes, have you ever been to Milan? And he looks in the distance and he goes, once. <laughs> And they're like, all right, this is is silly, Billy. But then it goes from zero Uh to 60 because they're both like, oh, my God, wait, we're alone. We could do it. We could do it. And um, Mm -hmm. she gets on top. It's very progressive. It's very, look, it's very dope because she gets to keep her very beautiful dress on. Yep. We don't see her naked. She's not objectified, which I appreciate. Not at all. He is very much kind of the object of lust in this scene, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Because he gets naked. He yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. First he's like, get this get shirt. Get that dude naked. He, he's like, get this shirt off. JK, get these suspendies off. JK, <laughs> everyone's gonna look at my butt. Look at my pale British butt. It is it is a pale British ass. And I say that as someone who is also very pale. So And British with an ass. I'm not British. I know. <laughs> I'm not British, bro. No, but you're I'm Irish. Irish, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you come into my house. <laughs> The disrespect. The disrespect. My after what my ancestors went through. Yeah, must have been tough. I wasn't there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> we see his full booty. Woo! Ass out. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a tasteful way to describe this scene. <laughs> I love that. I love that a minute ago, Mel was like, Allie and I really dive in with movies. <laughs> and it's just we, been like ass, we, ass, 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 ass for the We last search five for meaning in deeper areas that maybe you don't. <laughs> we look at the set, the score, the dialogue. What does it all mean? And what we found is that it means that we want to see ass out. I feel attacked. <laughs> What it means? Help! I'm being attacked. <laughs> what it means is we need to see cheeks clapping regularly. <laughs> what it means is that you may have a degree from raw dog, but I got a degree from raw dog. Let's get oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> call the police! I'm under attack. Don't call the police. They're not right. Help. Call the Ghostbusters! I'm under attack. <sighs> it's a big deal that they have sex because they haven't and so they get back to the house and lucille is like where were you i was worried sick and lucille kind of she's too upset she's too upset and she's also very suspicious that they may have fucked because as we find out later she's the only one that gets to do that because he is her property he's her boy Oh, He's her no. little baby boy. Oh damn! He's I don't her like little that. boy. I don't like that. I don't. Oh. I didn't like that. But, but that's I, the that, vibe. That does mean that Guillermo, I'd be great in one of these movies. Guillermo, if you're listening, cast Allie. Cast me. She could do it. I'll 
make a sexy monster, I'll do it. I'll be like a historical consultant. You're the one. You're the one with glasses that's like the occult book said this, and and then oh I'm my like, god, mm-hmm. that means I'm Charlie Hunt because okay, okay. Do you remember there was a scene that meant it was a throwaway scene, but it was in the beginning when Hunnam. <sighs> Oh, it's like, hey, because he's like, I'm really interested in ghost photography because mm-hmm. of spooky optometry things. Mm-hmm. And um, my note for this part, I said, okay, spooky Mulder, because <laughs> he reminded me of spooky Mulder, um, which is a vibe that I kind of dig. Something nice about what Charlie Hunnam is doing is he is acknowledging, hey, I know you like ghost stuff. I also like ghost stuff. Yes. I wanted to share this with you, my good friend. Yes. And he goes, you like spook? I like spook. We're spook friends. We both love the spook. We're very spooky We friends. both love to be spooky. Oh, we wake up. We open window. We say, hello, ghost. Hello, ghost. <laughs> hello, I go ghost. to my doctor office and I look at people's eyes. I say, hello, ghost. Hello, ghost. Open your eye, ghost. Oh, beep, beep. It- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> but anyway, they Lucille's, get back from the post office. She's mad. Like hair isn't up in her neat bun. She's wearing a robe. Oh my god. She was making was breakfast living. and she slams a pot of something down on it's the counter and it makes something. a huge mess. It's like oatmeal or some shit. The mess made me upset. It did not make me upset. I didn't like it. Why would you cook food and then do that? Because she is mad to make a point. She's all about drama. Ugh, it's so she, she was doing some of my favorite shit, which is like dramatic woman in a row being like, how dare you? That's true. You I was really like sick. And she's in this gorgeous robe. Oh, she looks great. I loved it. And I like late. I think later we see her dressing gown is like off the shoulder. Oh yeah, her, during like, the nightgown, the her, climactic like, reveal. And her white pun nightgown, not intended. Ugh, off the shoulder, and she's like, "This is." Her. We'll get to that in a second. With her hair like past her ass. Gorgeous. Uh, anyway, what a great way. I want to live that. Well, I don't want to live. I aesthetically, I thought it was cool. I don't want to live her life at all. Um, because she's a murderer. Well, she enjoyed it. Well, the big reveal happens with this um sexy dressing gown mm-hmm. um, after Charlie Hunnam makes it to the house and no. that's well no, she beforehand. finds out Charlie Hunnam makes it to the house shortly after uh, it's revealed and they uh, push Edith off of the balcony like on third the like third story yeah and she uh, hurts herself and then it's like the spooky ooky like oh Chastain's gonna try to kill you and she made Hiddleston try to kill Hunnam but mm-hmm. then they understood each other because they both love Edith mm-hmm. um, and there's a part where Hiddleston goes you're a doctor tell me where to stab you mm-hmm. and Hunnam basically like moves the knife to a part of his viscera that's non-lethal mm-hmm. allows himself to get stabbed that's a good boy listen desperate times call for desperate measures mm-hmm. um, so. Edith hides Hunnam. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. So sorry, oh Charlie. Oh my God, we don't remember Charlie Hunnam's name. Well, in the movie. I know, I know, but like, it's like Matthew or some bullshit. Something stupid. Anyway. Um, but <laughs> basically, Chastain is trying to kill Mia, who's mm-hmm. hiding Charlie. Mm-hmm. And then Hiddleston goes to bat for Mia. Oh, wait, she's already made Mia sign away the rest of her estate. And she's cut off a lock of her hair, which is where we learn that she's a serial killer. Because she the trophy the- that she keeps is a lock of hair from the women she's murdered. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I love him. And also the ghosts have already told, conveyed like, oh, he's been married three times. They've taken money from each of us. They murdered each of us. Um, at some point, Chastain had a baby, but the baby didn't survive. Yeah, because it's an incest baby. Yeah. Um, that was really upsetting. Again, there's very upsetting things. Anyway. Upsetting things that are really just glossed over. Yeah. Um, but we learn all of these spooky-ooky-ooky things. Chastain kills Hiddleston. Because Hiddleston throws the stuff in the fire. Like, no, she's not signing it over to us. She's going to live. Let's just leave. He's like, we can leave. And he, she goes, we. Like, no, not we. She goes, he goes, all of us together. And she goes, oh. <laughs> it's so good. And she Honestly, just I truly, loved her. Loved she did her. great. But she truly doesn't. She's so tied to the house mm-hmm. because of whatever 
psychosis she's dealing with. She cannot leave the house. The house is a huge part of her identity. But even more is the idea that he is now in love with Edith. And she says, you, you... we're not you're not supposed to be in love with anybody as so you promised me that you weren't going to be in love with anyone else and he's like yeah but you know but i fell in love and she stabs and she murders him she, she murders says, the shit dead. out of him and then they're running this was also a problem i had because there's this big machine and i thought they, yeah they they've been outside. building up this machine for the whole movie and i was like ooh Chastain's going to get killed by that machine. She was not yeah we don't really see anything with the machine also you can build a machine but you can't fix the fucking roof i mean Priorities, people. That he's not smart. That's true. Also, um, when he's working on the machine earlier in the movie, and I think she's Mia has already seen a ghost. She goes, "Has anyone died in this house?" And he's like, "Oh, the house is very old." And she goes, "No, but has any violent deaths?" And he goes, "I'm very busy." <laughs> like he doesn't even say no. Yeah. He doesn't even say no. Of course not. He just goes, "Babe, I'm. I got shit to do." Yeah, which is a dead giveaway. Yes. yes. The answer to your question is yes. Anyway, the way But there Chastain is chasing Mia around the clay fracking machine mm-hmm. in the snow, in the fog. Ooh. Very beautifully. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. And then we see Hiddleston's ghost. Oh, mm-hmm. sad. Oh and God. his ghost allows Mia the chance to like have her diversion so mm-hmm. she can finally kill Chastain. And the idea is, is that without the ghost, mm-hmm. she would have been murdered. Yeah. So the movie is like, you know who's pretty cool? Ghosts. <laughs> I mean, they are. In this movie, they look great. It is kind of nice that the message of the movie is like, ghosts aren't here to hurt you. Ghosts are messengers from the past. They're nice. Ghosts are people who have unfinished business who've been hurt who are here to warn you. It's a very Casper vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, that's another great movie. And we can't talk about Casper. We're going to... We're not going to talk about Casper. (laughs) No. I'm gesticulating violently with my hands. No. Anyway. (laughs) But she kills Chastain and then she and Hunnam leave and that's the end of the movie. That's Crimson Peak. (sighs) So you're welcome, I guess. Melanie, I got some questions for you. Great. And I'm sure you have them for me. Would you say this movie is romantic? Absolutely not. I think it, it was in moments. Really? You think so? Well, it's it's shot so beautifully that there are moments where I'm like, oh, that's a really lovely dress. And it is nice to have someone hold your hand. But um, <laughs> So what I'm hearing is, is that you are in love with everything in the movie but the romance. I guess so. <laughs> There's a lot trying to feed into the romance, but I don't know that I actually fully bought them. I don't know. I didn't either. Um, I, d- I didn't think this movie was romantic. Is it sexy? Mm, a little. A little bit, right? A little bit. And the worst part is that part of that little bit involves the, like... The incest. Yeah, I don't feel good. It's kind of Game of Thrones A little bit. Where, but, you, where you're like, oh, it's bad, but they're both so pretty. They're gorgeous. Yeah. They both are, like... They both are wearing kind of off They're the shoulder pale stuff. with dark hair, with like collarbones. Collarbones are out. And she's like, this is who I am. This is who he is. And you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I buy it. And then you're like, no, I don't. No, I don't buy it. That's bad. It's bad. It's gross. It's gross. Yes, but they're correct. like they had. I will say they had better chemistry. They really did. I I I would watch a movie of them together. I would. Watch, I think I would just watch another movie where Chastain is telling him what to do. Well, for me, I'm glad you brought that up because for me, I feel like the way to make this movie better would be to focus more on Lucille's character. Mm-hmm. And and or maybe even focusing more on Lucille and Edith because yes. they're kind of polar opposites. And I feel like maybe this movie would be better if the focus was on this serial killer mm-hmm. and her prey. Yeah. And the prey having this connection to ghosts, learning that something is wrong yeah. when she didn't suspect it before. I think that would be a much more interesting movie. And I also think that if we had learned more about each of their characters, aside from like this one thing about them, mm-hmm. it would have made the romance more believable because we would have known who they were as people. Yeah. Some of the best scenes are the ones where it's just Chastain and Vashkovska, where Chastain's kind of goading her. It's They're playing this beautiful thing of Chastain's, 
pretending to try to connect with her. Mm-hmm. And really, she's just sort of poking and prodding at her. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. And those are some of the best scenes in the movie. I agree. I, I wish that, that that had been the focus. Yes. Um, do you believe the houses that yeah, people live in? That, do well, you... That's the whole point of the movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> they lost right. all their money. They're holding on. It's And this is kind of a common thing in, I think, like British aristocracy is we have all this, we still have these estates, but we don't have the money to keep them up anymore. Oh. So there are giant, not castles, but like I, I, mansions. Manors. Manors, thank you. Um, where like the roofs are falling in or the, the just the ground is shot. And so... Um, but you have your title. But you have your title and you, God forbid you take this land from me. Oh, okay. Um... So that's an element. Um, so, I, yeah, I believe that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we've already established that you're horny for the outfits in this movie. So I, They're gorgeous. They are. They really are so good. They are stunning. Mia has this robe that she wears where the shoulders are just these, like, giant poofy-oofy things. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. The, one she, the dress she wears when they go to the ball. Oh. Or the, it's like a ball. Yeah, it's like a it's ball. It's so pretty. It's this, like, pearl color almost and it has it's like this, a champagne yeah, iridescent it has this big kind of collar around her neck yeah oh it's, Ooh, it's good it's beautiful um again just chestane chestane looks great all of her outfits are very uptight like yeah. they're very severe all the way up to the collar like collar like up to the her jaw like a turtle like uh the neck is so high up uh-huh um it's wonderful. It's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. it, it, it really informs like how she stands, how she moves, what that says about her character. Yeah. So n- another question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you date any of these assholes? I mean, Are no? you going to say Chastain? Yeah. Would you date <laughs> Chastain? I think I might is the thing. No. Okay. Here's what would actually happen. I might date Charlie Hunnam. Although Charlie Hunnam would not date me. Charlie Hunnam. Why do you think he wouldn't date you? I I just feel like he's someone where like my aunt would be like, oh, you know who's cute? My niece, Allie. And he would do like a pity date with me. Oh. I think he would think I was funny, but he would not be vibing with me physically, romantically, sexually. And that's okay. And I get that. I respect it. Hmm. Actually, maybe Hunnam would be super into me. He's into spooky bo- girls in this movie. Yeah. So in this, this Hunnam would probably be vibing with my, like, Sad, spooky girl aesthetic? Like, unatt- like I'm very tall, you and are. that's spooky You're in really this tall. time period. <laughs> I'm kind of gay, and that's spooky in this time period. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. By kind of, so- like. So people know. Whatever. If you were gonna date anyone in this movie, you'd probably end up dating Chastain and I would, possibly what would, Charlie. What would really happen is I would like have a lot of feelings about Chastain that I wouldn't be able to articulate. Okay. I she she I, I would have the vibe of like, oh I'll do anything she tells me to. <laughs> <sighs> and she'd be like, I'm into my brother, and I'm like, Well that makes that I mean that checks out. <laughs> How about you? Would you? Three guesses who. I mean, probably Tom Hiddleston. Absolutely, Tom Hiddleston I would. Tom. <laughs> Absolutely, I fucking would. Mm-hmm. Did you like his hair in this movie? I loved it. Did you like, um, I don't know, his cheekbones? He's phenomenal cheekbones. He's got great cheekbones. Great cheekbones, yeah. honey. We have a more important question. What's your more important question, baby? Fuck, Mary kill. Yeah! Are you ready? I'm always ready. Fuck, Mary kill. Let's do it. Chastain, mm-hmm. Mia, mm-hmm. Charlie. Oh, oh, Hiddleston's out? Yeah. I would be willing to like put Hiddleston in there if you want. Well, we can throw him in in a round two, but I want to know first because I couldn't think of another woman in the movie. There aren't that many women. Like, There's the mean other lady, the woman that plays Hunnam's mom, but we don't really care for her. Um, there probably needed to be more women in whatever. I don't care. Well, I think the movie passes the Bechdel test, It though. very much does, and it also... It's driven by the women. So anyway, okay. So it's Justine, Hanum, and Mia. Mia. Mm-hmm. I know she's a murderer. 
just give me your answers. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm going to fuck Chastain. I'm going to marry Hunter, but I'm going to get killed by Chicago. Honestly, same. That's the plan. Right? That's no, right? Yeah. I you like know Chastain is a freak. She's, she's a freak. insane. She also probably, like, she's very observant. She's very, like, watching you all the time. She, she probably, like, knows what you're down for before you know what you're down for. You well, know yeah, I mean? she's a psychopath, so yeah. she's extremely adept at <laughs> she's breaking like... <laughs> down people's emotions and thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And Hanum seems like a nice guy. And even though the movie was about her, I, wasn't, doctor. I wasn't terribly drawn to Vashkovska. Yeah, same. She, I got Okay, I got a part two. Fuck, Mary kill part two. Talk to me. Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Jimmy Beebs. <laughs> this is wild. And Hunnam. Hunnam? Okay. Oh, I don't want to kill Jimmy Beebs, <laughs> but he's such a dad. You know what I mean? I guess. He's a father figure, and I, I don't want to kill him, but can he just have, like, a nice life <gasps> away? I just remembered the name of his character in Supernatural. What? I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Bobby. Yes. Bobby! Bobby. Okay. Wow. So sorry. Please continue. So Jimmy Beavs, we're gonna we're gonna allow him not we're not gonna kill him, but we're gonna allow him to like live a life. You have outside. to choose fuck Mary Kill. I'm gonna You cannot do that as an option. You I, keep trying to bend the rules to this game. I just don't want to kill him, but I, I'm not gonna engage with him <laughs> sexually romantically. Then you have to kill him. I'm Those are the kill, rules. Okay, well then, guess what, bitch? I'm very sorry, but he's gonna die. Jimmy Beavs is gone. Okay, Jimmy Beavs what is about gone. the other two? Um, I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry Hanum again. I just trust. I just like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna fuck Hiddleston because I liked the vibe of that sex scene. I like to keep my clothes on. I look at a butt, and then we're done. I don't have to deal with this anymore. <laughs> You're like Liz Lemon, $500 for cuddling, $10,000 for kissing. End of list. <laughs> uh, how about you? Ooh, um, I would marry Jimmy Beavs. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. Yeah, I would marry Jimmy Beavs mm -hmm. because he's just as ornery as I am. I think we'd have a great life together. If he would be cute, I'd go to that wedding. Yeah, we would be cute. I would hope I'd be invited to of that Of course wedding. you would be invited. <laughs> don't don't be silly. You'd be in the wedding. Um, I, I'm giving the speech. I would kill Charlie Hunnam and I would fuck Tom Hiddleston. That, I kind of knew that you were going to do that. That makes sense. For yeah, you. that's my vibe. I'm pretty predictable in You that don't way. want like a himbo. No, I don't like that. I do. It's not for me. I don't like a man telling me what um, I am. Me neither, but the himbo but aesthetic is just not for me. I think it is for me. Good. I'm that glad be, for you. Thank you. Um, anyway. But that's, that, listen. Listen, okay. The Crimson, the, that's Crimson Peak. <laughs> um, we, I, would you recommend this? Yeah, I think I would. I it's would. fun. We watched it with our friends, Bella and Lucille, who wrote our theme song. So mm -hmm. shout out to them again. Hello, we love you, we miss you. We had a little bit we of kiss you. I uh, had a lot of wine. You had a lot of wine. I had um, a lot. We had a little bit of wine. We. But it's a really fun movie to watch with your friends and great just movie like to watch shoot the shit and be like, oh, go spooky. Yeah. Um, that's it's 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 not my favorite Del Toro, but um, it's a good one. It's a fun one. Uh, it's beautifully shot. The costumes are gorgeous. It's um. It's, it's kind of fun. It's a little bit fun. If you're I, listening to this uh, and you want to listen to it again, the drinking game to this would be every time Allie talks about how great the costumes and the set design is, <laughs> and me every time I say the word ass. Yes. So congratulations, you're now drunk. Um, but we would both recommend this movie. Thank you for listening. Also, if you want more information on... Uh, our vibe mm -hmm. and our pod, please visit our website, hellnocast.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts now. Yeah. So go ahead, go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and a like and five stars. Anything that you can do to help us out, we would really appreciate because really we, appreciate we work hard on this pod and we enjoy it. And we thank you guys for listening and giving us your feedback. Mm -hmm. We love that, you know, it gives you the vibe that you're hanging out with us because that's literally what we're doing. We're just hanging out. And that's so, what we want you to feel. Exactly. And so it makes, means a lot to us. We really appreciate you guys listening. We kiss you. We love you. Thank you. Um, if you want 
more current information and updates on us, you can follow us on Instagram at hellnocast. Mm-hmm. At hellnocast. That's where we vibe. That's where we live on Instagram. Again, this was You Had Me at Hell No. I'm Mel. I'm Allie. Bye-bye. Love you. You Had Me at Hell No was recorded in Scoundrel and Scamp Theater in Tucson, Arizona. And Allie and I just want to thank the theater for allowing us to record there. Special thanks are also in order to Tiffer Hill, our engineer, for putting up with all of our shenanigans and making us sound fabulous. As well as Bella Vanek and Lucille Petty for our theme song. Thank you, Bella and Lucille. Yeah. 